The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. And through the power over all humanity that you have given him, let him give eternal life to all those you have entrusted to him. And eternal life is this, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth and finished the work that you gave me to do. For Father, it is time for you to glorify me with the glory I had with you before ever the world was. I have made your name known to the men you took from the world to give me. They were yours and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now at last they know that all you have given me comes indeed from you, for I have given them the teaching you gave to me, and they have truly accepted this, that I came from you, and have believed that it was you who sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given to me, because they belong to you. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and in them I am glorified. I am not in the world any longer, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. The Gospel of the Lord. So we're um, continuing our journey with the Acts of the Apostles and again Jesus' last discourse at the, the Last Supper in the Gospel reading. So Paul's been in Greece and we've missed most of that because we've flicked over most of chapter 19 from the Acts of the Apostles in the first half of chapter 20. And while in Greece, um, Paul has had some real troubles. He's had it with the Jews who are out to get him. He's had it from the Greeks who are out to get him. Um, and he's just caught in the middle of both these, these different groups wanting to hold on to what their truth is. The Jewish faith, the pagan faith. Um, and Paul's stuck in the middle. And so now he's going back to Jerusalem, to, to the heart to the, where the head of the church is at this time. But the Holy Spirit's making it clear to him that he's going to face imprisonment and persecution. 
He's called the um, uh, leaders from Ephesus down to Miletus. And Ephesus is about um, 80 miles north of Miletus, 80 kilometers north of uh, Miletus in Turkey. You know, now he just didn't pick up the phone and say, hey, you elders, come down and see me. And it was a leisurely drive down. Some poor messenger would have had to walk the 80 kilometers there and um, and then walk back the 80 kilometers unless they took a ship. But, you know, even that wouldn't have been easy in those days. We miss some really great things in chapter 19 and 20 of the Acts of the Apostles, and maybe you would might like to pick it up and just have a wee read. But um, one of the things that I really liked, and I just think it's worth noting, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that when the handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their disease left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. And this is where our whole tradition of relics in the Catholic faith comes from. You know, it goes right back to the scriptures. That, you know, these holy men and women that throughout the ages that God has chosen to be his saints, that through them, through their relics, you know, healing comes out of them. It's a gift of God. It's a gift and a fruit of, of their holiness. And it's a reminder that each one of us are called to holiness. Um, but extraordinary holy men and women throughout the ages. And I want to continue this week, as I said yesterday, about talking about church unity. And I think often throughout the centuries, you know, we've seen in the church how it's so difficult to be a leader. And in particular, the person of, of the Pope. Paul himself experienced it. The Jews were out to get him. The Greeks were out to get him. Um, and he described himself as a prisoner already in spirit. I'm on the way to Jerusalem, but have no idea what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit has made it clear that imprisonment and persecution await me. Lots of ways I think that's what the Pope experiences. They really are a prisoner in the Vatican. Um, and everybody's got their opinion of what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. But in, in my lifetime, I wasn't old enough um, to remember Pope John XXIII, but I was born the year that he was uh, elected and um, started the Second Vatican Council. Um, an incredible man. They called him the good the good Pope. Um, Pope Paul VI, I remember vaguely, a very shy, quiet man. Then Pope John Paul I, who we only had for a few days, and they called him um, the, 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 um, the smiling Pope. And then we've got, then we had John Paul, who we had for a long time. John Paul, who, who really, uh, reacted to the challenges of the church in his time, coming out of his experience of going through the Second World War in um, a Poland that was uh, uh, under Nazi control, and then living in Poland under the communists. An incredible figure. 
Then Pope Benedict XVI, a very quiet, learned man. While John Paul worked the crowds, Benedict didn't like that. He was the scholar, the teacher. And then Francis, our present Pope, again a smiling Pope, one who's taking us into the very heart of God's mercy, um, who's had the experience of, of being uh, living through dictatorships in South America, who's had that experience because of his Latin American experience of, of the different indigenous cultures of that great continent of South America. You know, each has brought their own thing to the papacy. Each has been a real gift of God for the church. And yet people at different times have hated them for different reasons. And it seems to me that the hate is getting louder and louder. And when that happens, that's when church unity collapses. One of the things our church history lecturer used to say to us is, often when there were debates in the church, and they've gone on since the beginning, as we've seen, even back to Paul's time, um, whenever there's been debates in church history, they set up a straw man. And what, is he, what did our church history lecturer mean by that? He'd say, this is what he is saying. Now, it might not be exactly what the person was saying, but then people would shoot down the straw man rather than the person. And that's often what's happening with, with our popes. And particularly in our modern age where it's so easy to express our opinions on blog sites and internet sites, on news sites. And it's just not in the church, it's in uh, our politics as well. Everyone becomes an expert. Everyone wants to be the Pope or the Prime Minister themselves. Everyone's opinion is better than theirs. And we shoot it down. And often we lose sight of the person. Charity goes out the window. And I mean, not, not just a, uh, a blithe charity. I mean the real charity which calls us to love. But rather, um, we just lose sight and we get caught in issues. And this is what destroys the church. And accusations are made. One of the things, one of the names that we call the, the evil one is the accuser. And we hear in the book of Revelation, you know, the accuser of our, our brethren, our, our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, you know, the triumph over the evil one. Whenever we get into the process of accusations, accusing, we may well be doing the work of the evil one, even though we might be well-intentioned. One of the things for us priests, is on the day of our ordination, we promised respect and obedience to our bishop. And it's not, it's probably in some ways even harder than celibacy, respect and obedience. One of the things that I've learned in assuming this role is just what Bishop John Canine and Bishop Barry Jones must have had passing over their death, over their desk. 
and I've spent a lot of time um, since I've become a bishop praying for them ever more, not realizing what they had to carry. Because somehow everybody thinks their opinion is the right one. Even the announcement that uh, we're going back to, to celebrating the Eucharist, there's people that are unhappy about that, just as there, there were people that were unhappy and saying that the bishops are showing no leadership about this, um, where they probably often didn't know about, you know, the two letters that went to government. They possibly didn't know that two of our bishops were in a conference call or a Zoom conference with the Prime Minister and senior cabinet ministers, along with other faith leaders, putting really strongly our case. There's a lot of stuff that's not known. And yet that's often forgotten because we make ourselves experts. The bishops Zacchetto, or a cardinals, or a popes, remind us that each one of us are under authority. Under the authority of God, and for a bishop, for us, we're under the authority of the Holy Father, who we believe has been chosen by God. And I intend as a bishop, as a priest, always to be faithful to the Holy Father. I will pray for him. There have been so many things Francis have been accused of that I know from personal experience and conversation with him that just aren't true. And this is the tragedy that's ripping us apart as a community within the church, but that's what also allows Christians to break away. The fact that there's 40,000 Christian denominations and we justify that. We can justify that, you know. No, we can't. It's not Christian. In the Gospel reading, Jesus prayed for the apostles. Imagine the public social media outcry about the apostles when a few hours later they abandoned the Lord and ran away. Social media would have just had a field day with it. But what's Jesus' attitude for them, towards them? Here he is praying for them. Not only that, when he appeared to them, his words to them were, Peace be with you. Jesus is saying of himself in his prayer to the Father, I have glorified you on earth and finished the work that you gave me to do. I thank God for the popes that we have had in recent times. I think each of them in their own way have been amazing. Have they've tried to the best of their ability to do the work that God asks them to do. Let us be charitable in all things, let us strive for unity at all costs.